Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, April 29th. I'm Lorraine Gasteres. These are today's headlines. Here in the United States, nearly 60,000 people have now died from the coronavirus as states grapple with measures to combat the crisis. New fears about the nation's meat supply prompting a major response from the White House. And even though most planes remain grounded, airlines and passengers now wrestling with safety concerns for those who still have to take to the skies. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with major concerns as the reopening of the country accelerates, the CDC pointing to the risks of easing off on the social distancing measures that have saved so many lives while people across the country continue to defy stay-at-home orders, rallying to go back to work. Rallies calling for the country to reopen continue to happen across the U.S. In Las Vegas, hotels and casinos are rolling out plans for their reopening. The Venetian installing thermal cameras and hiring a full-time staff of emergency medical technicians. But some have concerns about the risk for workers. It's just a little bit alarming to see that kind of an increase in the potential for loss of life and for at least people being very sick in our community. Georgia, one of the states that has started to reopen, is now projected by one model to see its daily tally of COVID-19 deaths nearly double by August. Over the past three days, we have seen the highest number of people coming in related to COVID-19 than we have during the entirety of this pandemic. The CDC warning deaths in the United States are likely to continue to rise, but say it could slow substantially with social distancing. At the virus's epicenter in New York, crowds ignoring the mandate, packing public parks to watch the Thunderbirds and Blue Angels fly over. And in Brooklyn, thousands of Orthodox Jews crowding the streets for a funeral service. <laughs> Police called to break up the dense crowds. The mayor outraged, tweeting, the time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in masses. Meanwhile, California is urging people to be patient and comply with stay-at-home orders a little longer as the state prepares to ease restrictions in the coming weeks. The governor even considering starting the school year earlier in late July or early August. We have made no uh, decisions definitively in that space, but I just want folks to know the concern around learning loss and the concern uh, about uh, waiting till late, later in the year into the fall for the new school year. After meeting with the president in Washington on Tuesday, today the governor of Florida is set to announce a reopening plan for his state, the third most populous in the country. And there are growing concerns over possible food shortages in the U.S. as more meatpacking plants close over coronavirus fears. Overnight, President Trump signing an executive order to prevent these disruptions in the food supply. The president also insisting that virus testing is going well. Andrea Linares reports. 
Beef is running low in some grocery stores around the country. President Trump now promising to take action, signing an executive order under the Defense Production Act to ensure processing plants stay open and run at the maximum extent possible as part of the USS critical infrastructure. That'll solve any liability problems where they had certain liability problems and uh, we'll be in very good shape. There's plenty of supply. In recent days, the meat industry has been sounding the alarm. Tyson Foods saying this to several publications. The food supply chain is vulnerable, and that is due to plant closures. Millions of pounds of meat will disappear from the supply chain. Some experts now warning we could see these beef, chicken and pork shortages by the end of the week and a greater disruption to the food supply chain in coming weeks, right as we head into summer. The factories are not producing enough meat for the, the food supply chain. Then a little later on, probably in the next couple months, they won't have enough livestock. And with the urgent call to reopen the processing plants, the safety of workers a rising concern. After more than 6,000 U.S. meatpacking and food processing employees were infected with or exposed to COVID-19. Meanwhile, with the U.S. hitting 1 million cases of COVID-19, President Trump claims testing for the disease is going very well. The only problem is the press doesn't give credit for that because, you know, no matter what test you do, they'll say, oh, you should have done this. You should have tested 325 million people 37 times. Uh, no, the testing is going very well. The U.S. has run just 5.7 million total COVID-19 tests since the beginning of the pandemic, according to data compiled by the COVID tracking project. And most experts agree that's far below where we should be. A Harvard University study published last week said the U.S. would need to ramp up testing capacity to at least 5 million tests a day by early June and 20 million per day by late July in order to reopen the economy. Vice President Mike Pence also making headlines as he toured the Mayo Clinic without a mask. On the other hand, the head of the Food and Drug Administration, Dr. Stephen Hahn, wore one. Pence saying he gets tested on a regular basis. Since I, I don't have the coronavirus, I, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for me to be here, to be able to speak to these researchers, these incredible healthcare personnel, and look them in the eye and, and say thank you. The Mayo Clinic tweeted that it had advised the vice president of the mask policy, but moments later the clinic deleted the tweet and instead posted a new message thanking Pence for his visit. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares. Lorraine, now back to you. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And in the era of coronavirus, support for big government is back. That's according to a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Americans, by double-digit margins, say the federal government is doing too little to deal with the health and economic repercussions of the deadly pandemic. This as Congress has committed an unprecedented nearly $3 trillion with another major aid package in the works. According to the new poll, 50% of Americans say the government needs to do more. That percentage is the largest since the Gallup organization started asking the question back in 1992. And speaking of government help, millions of Americans are still waiting to receive funds from the $2 trillion stimulus package President Trump signed back in March. Rafael Rodriguez explains why for some the money is taking so long to arrive. For Kimberly Horton, the stimulus payment she just got from the government for $1,700 did not come a moment too soon. 
my daughter, uh, who's still away at college, she works retail. So, of course, with all the stores and everything being closed, having that extra money to help her pay, you know, her obligations, of course, uh, was a lifesaver for me. Horton is one of the more than 80 million Americans who have received their stimulus payments to help deal with hardship caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Many recipients also get a signed letter from President Trump explaining why and telling them how much they'll receive. The checks themselves also have the president's name on them, but roughly 60 million Americans are still waiting for either one. The hardship is really real and it's pressing for families. And this, this sort of amount of money that is available to the lowest income people people uh, in, in the country is, is really going to make a difference for them. So who's eligible and how much do they get? If you're single and your adjusted gross income is $75,000 a year or less, you get a full $1,200. But the more you earn, the less you get. If you make $99,000 a year or more, you get nothing. Married couples earning $150,000 a year or less receive the maximum $2,400. Couples earning $198,000 a year or more get nothing. And parents with children who are 16 years old and younger get $500 for each child, although that also phases out. But there have been delays and snags in getting the payments out. You have to be patient. The IRS employees are you know, trying to get out payments to people as quickly as possible. The reasons for the delays, according to experts, the sheer volume of Americans who are eligible, some 150 million. For people who didn't file electronic tax returns and don't have direct deposit arrangements with the IRS, it's taking longer to get them their payments via snail mail. Also, some people reporting their payments were sent to old bank accounts that have since been closed. And millions of low-income people who were not required to file tax returns are proving harder to locate. How long could some people wait? For some, two weeks from now. For others, it could be several weeks or maybe even the end of the summer. Then there's the separate set of payments to help small businesses hit hard by the pandemic. The first program to do that ran out of money. The second, launched this week, has been hampered by technical glitches, partly because there's a massive list of businesses which have applied for it. Small businesses, 500 or less, or a sole proprietorship, they just want people who had employees who maybe had to lay them off or furlough to get those people back to work, or at least on the paycheck. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. With just over six months until Election Day, two-thirds of Americans, including 80% of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents, along with half of Republicans and Republican-leaners, say it's very or somewhat likely that the coronavirus outbreak will significantly disrupt people's ability to vote in the presidential election. The survey finds broad public support for giving voters the option of voting by mail and less widespread but growing support for conducting all elections by mail. And speaking of voting by mail, Joe Biden has won Ohio's presidential primary, the former VP capturing the Buckeye State on Tuesday. The primary was the first major test of statewide elections via mail amid the coronavirus outbreak. Overall turnout was surprisingly strong, said Ohio's Secretary of State. The victory comes the same day Biden received another critical Democratic endorsement from former candidate and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. 
Meanwhile, the, wo the woman some are speculating will be Joe Biden's vice presidential pick says she supports him against a sexual assault allegation. The CNN's Don Lemon asked Stacey Abrams about the accusation a former Biden staffer made against the presumptive presidential nominee. Tara Reid accuses Biden of touching her inappropriately in 1993. Biden's campaign denies any wrongdoing. Abrams, a candidate for governor in Georgia, said Tuesday she believes Biden. Women deserve to be heard, and I believe that they need to be listened to. But I also believe that those allegations have to be investigated by credible sources. The New York Times did a deep investigation, and they found that the accusation was not credible. I believe Joe Biden. As all 50 states continue their slow battle against the pandemic, those in the Northeast have been particularly hard hit. Blanca Rosa Vilches has the latest on the tri-state area's effort to combat the crisis. The Blue Angels flew over New York and New Jersey as a tribute to medical personnel fighting coronavirus every day, like Janet Rosalind. It's beautiful and I brought my family to enjoy it. Janet tested negative for coronavirus and also for the antibody test. It helps me to know I'm okay for now, she says. If you can summarize for us, uh, we asked New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy about plans to reopen his state. He referred us to a six-step plan to be followed before lockdown restrictions can be rolled back. Number one, we need to see meaningful progress on the data that we look at every day, hospitalizations, ventilator use, etc. Secondly, we need to have a broader scale and rapid return testing regime. Thirdly, we need a contact tracing uh, infrastructure in place, which includes both individuals, uh, workers, as well as technology. And then fourthly, we need to have a plan for isolation for those folks uh, who in fact get reinfected. And then steps five and six are, five is reopening the, the economy responsibly, and point six is what we're, we're calling resiliency. However, he says that unlike neighboring New York, his state doesn't have a fixed date to reopen yet. The governor of New Jersey also says that economic health is based in public health. In Weehawken, New Jersey, Blanca Rosa Vilches, U News. In Connecticut, National Guardsmen pitching in to help those soldiers visiting a nursing home facility in the city of Waterbury Tuesday morning. The medics are adding eyes and ears to the Department of Public Health as they survey nursing homes hit hard by the coronavirus across the state. In a statement, the State Department of Health says they're adding the guardsmen and it will allow for unannounced in-person visits to every facility in Connecticut to monitor things like staffing, PPE levels, infection control procedures, reporting to families, maintenance and upkeep and cleanliness. Connecticut has more than 25,000 reported cases and nearly 2,000 deaths. And many of you may have noticed discarded latex gloves and face masks littering the streets. Well, one organization is trying to raise awareness about this problem by launching a hashtag campaign asking people to send photos of littered gloves and masks. Maria Algarra joins me now. She's the creator of the Glove Challenge in Miami. Maria, thanks for talking with us. What made you decide to How take this problem on? Thank you for having me. Well, uh, before the pandemic, you know, started before we went under lockdown, um, I started finding a lot of 
um, discarded gloves and masks around Miami Beach. And so I decided that we should do something even though we're under quarantine and make a change, you know, trying to inspire people to discard of their trash correctly, dispose of it correctly, not just on the streets. And it's a huge issue because it affects our wildlife and our health as well. Maria, your campaign is not asking people to pick up discarded gloves unless they feel safe or have personal protective equipment. Instead, you're asking people to snap a picture. How is this helpful? Well, um, you know, through the whole campaign, what we want is to create awareness mostly and inspire people and educate them. Um, we do not ask people to pick up these gloves unless they feel comfortable because then again, we need to wear protective equipment in order to do it and feel safe. Um, but it, it has caught up a lot with, with people. They feel better by doing this and just, uh, you know, taking a picture. They don't really have to pick it up um, unless they want to. What's been the response? Well, can you expand on the response to the challenge? Absolutely. We, we actually made it to Europe and Asia already with the challenge. We have received pictures from Russia, Poland, Hungary, Vietnam, South Korea. It's, it's been amazing, the response from people, and people are upset. And we like to see that. We like to see some action taken, not just by citizens, but also by our leaders. You know, maybe we can do something more than just uh, a slap on the wrist for people who litter about anything, not just these gloves and masks. Maria, we saw pictures of a bird getting caught in a face mask. What happened to that bird and how else is littered PPE impacting our oceans? Well, well we received this, this picture from um, Canada. It was a bird that this lady, Sandra, saw and she couldn't reach it for a minute. The bird was hanging there for about two days until she was able to reach it with a ladder and the bird was dead. You know, so these are just one of the few things that can happen with the litter PPE. Our oceans are very affected already for many years by plastic pollution and gloves and masks are just adding to the issue. You know, gloves are, they can mimic jellyfish perfectly. So um, that's what turtles eat and many other marine life. And it's, it's very worrying, especially here in Miami. We are surrounded by water and we have protect our wildlife. Maria, you started an advocacy group here in Miami called Clean This Beach Up. Tell us more about that work. Uh, well, we've been working now for a year and we love what we do. We love inspiring people and citizens from Miami Beach and South Florida in general about the effects that plastic pollution has in our wildlife and our lives and how we can do better as citizens and people and try to cut plastic single use uh, usage as much. Well, thank you so much, Maria Algarra, creator okay, of the Glove so Challenge, much. for your initiative and doing the work. Thank you. Coronavirus death toll climbs. Many families in the U.S. are being left with challenging end-of-life logistical decisions, such as how to transport the remains of loved ones when contact is not allowed. This is especially difficult for families of patients who die on foreign soil and have to navigate bureaucracies that appear ill-equipped to handle the crisis. Alejandra Flores has more. In terms of confinement, 
That's the way Victor's family pray for the rest of his uncle, Vicente López Vargas, who died last Monday in Illinois at age of 72 because of the coronavirus. He had been living in the United States for at least 30 years and already had legal residence and citizenship. Eventually, he specialized in auto mechanics. He was alone in a retirement home. After 22 days of being hospitalized, having gone through an induced coma, he improved. However, his condition got worse and he died. They did not see him again. Now, the family faced the bureaucracy and insufficient support of the Mexican consulate. The foreign ministry was slow in communicating with our family. They had already connected with a funeral agency that fit their budget. But the consulate gave them a list of agencies allowed and told them there is no economical support. They are authorized to help with the repatriation of the remains only. By instructions from the President of the Republic, the resources for the repatriation of those who die, of the families who ask us for support, are expanded. This means that we will be able to support approximately 5,500 families. According to migrant activists in New York, consulates are not equipped to handle the magnitude of the crisis and are lacking the resources needed to help the families of the Mexican nationals whose loved ones have died in foreign soil. As of last Friday, the Mexican Foreign Ministry said that 529 Mexican nationals had died in the United States. New York is the city with the highest number of deaths, 417 followed by Illinois with 26 and California with 25. From Mexico City, Alejandra Flores, U News. One of the largest car makers reported a sharp fall in earnings, revenue and new car sales for the first three months of the year. Volkswagen says the first quarter operating profit fell to $978 million compared to $3.3 billion a year ago. Volkswagen owns Audi, Porsche and other brands and said group vehicle sales fell 25% to 1.9 million. And from cars to electronics, the economic impact of the pandemic continues to mount. Samsung says the coronavirus crisis is going to affect smartphone sales as well as the introduction of 5G. The South Korean company also adds the global outbreak has ignited a major change in lifestyles. Samsung is predicting people will become even more reliant on digital services as working from home becomes more prevalent. Due to a smaller smartphone market and store closings, Samsung says the current quarter will see an inevitable drop in earnings. Meanwhile, the airline industry continues to suffer in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. As Luis Mejid explains, many carriers are scrambling to address passenger safety concerns while looking ahead to how the future of air travel could change. Thanks to the pandemic, today there are less people flying and less options for those who really need to fly. My grandmother passed away recently, and so um, I felt it was important to be here with my parents. People like Erin Strine. She had a very scary flight from New York to North Carolina. I just started to panic. In an almost full plane where some passengers didn't even wear a mask. I had people on both sides of me. Every row 
around me, in front of me, next to me, my row, the row behind me, all of them are completely full. Six seconds of video that shocked the head of a pilot's union. We're not where we need to be. Having a flight go out with uh, mostly every seat booked, that's not the answer. American Airlines will start offering masks to passengers, and JetBlue became the first U.S. airline to require all travelers to wear a mask during travel. Most major airlines are mandating masks for flight attendants. From the airport door to the airplane door on the airplane and then back out through the airport. We want people wearing face coverings in all those areas. In the times of coronavirus, airlines will probably have to go further than that. United says starting this week, it intends to leave one seat open next to each passenger. One design company is proposing seats with transparent barriers. Another model shows the middle seat in reverse. New ideas for an industry struggling to find another way to take off. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. And as the coronavirus continues to disrupt and alter daily life, could a change be coming to your local cineplex? AMC Theater says it will no longer screen Universal Pictures films. The theater chain's CEO announced the ban in a letter to Universal's chairman Tuesday. This after NBC Universal CEO told the Wall Street Journal once theaters reopen, they expect to release movies directly to theaters and on demand. AMC called that idea categorically unacceptable. Universal successfully released Trolls World Tour on digital platforms only after the pandemic forced movie theaters to close, but AMC called that release an exception to the rule. Universal noted that it believes in the theatrical experience but wants to release future films on demand when it makes sense. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Greece hopes it can welcome tourists this summer with social distancing rules in place. Travelers, at least through May, have to undergo coronavirus testing, its tourism minister told BBC Radio. Greece has had some of the fewest coronavirus cases in Europe. Its number of cases has surpassed just 2,500 with 138 deaths. Closer to home in Colombia, Bogota residents are trickling out of their homes as the government has begun easing quarantine measures. Many there experiencing something they haven't seen in over a month, traffic. The streets of Colombia's capital had been eerily empty since a stay-at-home order was imposed in March. But while Colombia's government recently announced it would extend its coronavirus quarantine until May 11, it also allowed the construction and manufacturing sectors to reopen. Those first steps have led to the return of familiar sites like lines at bus stops and cars buzzing by on busy streets. Colombia has reported at least 269 deaths out of nearly 6,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus. But in neighboring Peru, the health ministry reporting that the total number of cases in that country has surpassed 30,000 
with more than 850 deaths. Infections have prompted the collapse of social medical facilities, with bodies being kept in hallways, masks being repeatedly reused, and protests breaking out amongst medical workers' concerns for their safety. Meanwhile, scores of people waiting outside a bus terminal in Lima Tuesday in the hopes of catching a ride to their hometowns, even as transportation has been halted due to quarantine measures. Peru has been under a state of emergency with closed borders and citizens under lockdown since mid-March. Today, we're learning more about the president of El Salvador's plans to increase security and crack down on gang members in prison amid the pandemic. As Romina Leon explains, it's a move that some lawmakers are increasingly worried about. El Salvador is ramping up measures in the fight against gang violence after a deadly weekend that claimed at least 50 victims in the country. President Nayib Bukele authorized the use of lethal force against gang members. The people of El Salvador will see that no criminal group is going to play with the state. President Bukele announced strong measures in high security prisons, ordering a 24-hour lockdown. This generated a strong reaction from lawmakers, among them Carlos Ruiz of the political party FMLN. No solo diríamos violaciones a los derechos humanos, existen también, además... It's not only a violation of human rights, it's also a violation of the Constitution. It's not allowed to authorize mass killings. Lawmaker Raúl Beltrán says violence is not justifiable, even less during a pandemic. When a person becomes a criminal, they know eventually they'll face the law. But the country's prisons are full to capacity, 45,000 prisoners, most of them gang members. These images have lawyers and lawmakers locked in discussions about prisoners' human rights. It's unjustifiable that criminals have killed 60 people in five days. That's 10 or five times more deaths than those caused by coronavirus. According to the president's Twitter account, one of the gang members involved in the murders has already been captured. Reported in El Salvador by Ernesto Rivas, this is Romina León for U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.